<laughs> Today's Tarfight episode is brought to you by Indeed. Need talent? You need whoa, Indeed. Whoa, 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 hold on a minute, Tiger. What's Indeed? Oh, it's the place you go to to find the talent you need. Oh, right. So they help you find your hiring needs. Yes, they help people get jobs, help recruiters fill their jobs, amongst other things. Isn't there another site that does that? Mm. Yeah, sure. There are loads. But Indeed's the world's number one job site. Number one? Yep. Oh, so what? Does Indeed do differently? Their simple tools let you source, screen and hire faster because finding the best fit for the job shouldn't be a full-time job. Damn right there. Shall we get into it then? Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. Need talent? You need Indeed. Get ready. It's Tarpod time. We talk talent, recruitment and everything in between. So strap in and prepare yourself for a dose of knowledge tied up in a ribbon of fun. Now please join your hosts and industry leaders, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi everyone, welcome to Tarpod. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren and we're back in sunny freaking Melbourne. Yeah, really sunny. Yes, that whole entire European trip's gone. But anyway, I diverge because we've got a fabulous guest on today. We do. Another Lauren, because we were all so freaking good. Lauren Anderson, Talent Strategy Advisor from Indeed. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome, Lauren. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Something I've always wondered, what is the collective noun for Lauren's? Fucking fabulous. <laughs> Legends? Legendary Lawrence? Legends. Yeah. Fucking I'm, fabulous. I'm very, very scared of what may happen today. Would One like Lauren is get, more than enough. Would you like me to, to get you a few more Lawrence in the room? <laughs> no, thank you. It's a coven of Lawrence. <laughs> that's more like it, a coven of Lawrence. But that's oh not. God, I'm taking that. See, a group of Craigs is a murder of Craigs. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to discuss collective nouns today, are we, Lauren? No, school teacher Craig. <laughs> we are very, very happy and very excited because um, Indeed have joined us in a number of ways. Oh. Um, they are our... Indeed they have. <laughs> they're our monthly sponsor for the podcast and... Absolutely, July. And we hung out with all the amazing Indeed people at Wreckfest. Which was great. That was really good too. Yeah, Such yeah. good merch. Lauren, you, Lauren, you missed out. <laughs> yeah. I did. I'm really jealous too. I was listening to the podcast last week and I thought, oh, I really should have done a quick relocation to the UK. That's it. Then a meeting, I oh. could have had an excuse to be there, surely. Indeed um, was really, really big uh, sort of area you guys had a huge yeah. stand. And it was like full of deck chairs, everyone sitting games. around and games and laughing. It was so good. Yeah. So, so good. I think that one of the things, and we did touch on it on last week is one of the differences between a lot of conferences we go to and Wreckfest is that people seem really uh, positive about going and talking to vendors yep. as opposed to putting their out. head down and trying to walk past their stands as they get to no, get their lunch. It's totally different because you hang out, you play games, you sit there and talk shit and have a beer and – and, um, and maybe a bit work. of business. A bit of business. Maybe a bit of business. Yeah. Business absolutely. on the side. Business on the side of fun. We like I it know. that way. I know. So because you're our fabulous sponsor this month, Lauren, and you're a fabulous Lauren. Um, <laughs> double. <laughs> so it's all double about fabulous. you <laughs> and your fabulousness. <laughs> but we have got you here today to talk about a report that was just released by Indeed, your report, Championing Change, Progress and opportunities for building inclusive workplaces. Um, and it's massive. It's like 88 pages. I know. It is a really big report. <laughs> it's really big. So we're not we're not going to go through every page, every line. We're going to really look at some of the highlights today. Um, but also 
really encourage people to go to the website and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and download the report for their own benefits internally because there is so much in it. It's it's bizarre. And and just um just before we get into it, just to let you people listening know that the, the study was conducted online between late January and early February this year, involving uh, about 2,100 prime working age Australians in the workforce, and the sample also consists of 700 respondents that identify as having recruitment responsibilities. So the data you're getting from, it's really, really good, clean data, which is great. And up to date. It's yeah. new data. It's not reverting back to that anomaly of 2022 and everyone hiring like a fucking maniac. Yeah, we're back to normal. It's probably the data is probably normal, which is good. Hey, so there's, there's, like we said, there's so much in it, but we really want to drill down on some clear, important aspects of the report. But before we go into that, oh, I've got a question for Lauren. Uh oh. Okay, it is about the report. Oh, that's good. Then. What okay. do you, was there anything that absolutely stood out to you? in this report that shocked you? Definitely. I think <gasps> I like a good considering, shock. <laughs> I think, you know, we swim in the sea of diversity, inclusion and belonging, you know, initiatives in our workplaces, right? I think TA are on the forefront of, of a lot of these. Mm. Um, and in our business, we're obviously talking to businesses about what they're doing as well in this space. And so the fact that they're like, there is a huge number of people who are still hiding who they are at work and not being able to bring their true mm. self to work. And I thought this would for sure be on the decline, that people would be, you know, we're creating safer workplaces, we're creating more welcoming workplaces and more people are able to express who they are authentically in their workplace. But in fact, more people are actually hiding who they are and it's increased by 18% of workers hide all of their identity at work all the time, and that's 7% up from 2020. That's crazy. So more what? people are hiding. You would have thought with – that, that to that's me, that, that is a shocking stat because I, I thought that workplaces um, and the Australian culture in general has become more open to, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. Uh, and for that, to, that, that shows that it seems to be going backwards or people are feeling less comfortable. Yeah, maybe people are feeling less safe. I think it's probably there is a still a really large number of Australian workers who have either witnessed or personally experienced discrimination in the workplace. Mm. And so that has such a ripple on effect that if you're if you haven't felt it yourself, or maybe you are in the fifty-five percent of people who haven't felt this in the workplace, then I think we can be a little bit blind to it. But the reality is more more people than we're comfortable with, or more people it should be happening to mm. um, are not able to be safely at their own workplace, which is mad, really. Yeah. And one See, of I've the got sta- a whole rabbit hole I can go down there, but I'm not sure if we'll go this early in the podcast. Oh, she's going to hold. <laughs> keep, her, keep her powder dry. Um, so, yeah, just going back on what you said, then 45% of all working age Australians either have witnessed or personally experienced an act of discrimination in the workplace. And then only 23% of those who have witnessed or experienced are, have reported it. And it's that's, um, again, alarming, isn't it? It's Because it's, it's, it's about safety. It's about people feeling safe in a workplace. Yeah, so if you don't feel safe, then you are less likely to report. And if you're less likely to report, then there's less likely to be things done about it. And then unfortunately, that can really breed a culture. And I'd say, unfortunately, a number of people listening to this, and maybe yourselves included, have worked somewhere where you've got a a culture that has continued to get more and more toxic over time. And this can be... I still do. (laughs) (laughs) Craig, complain to HR. Oh, shit, that's me. 
can't. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> no, but I, shouldn't, I shouldn't honestly make... <laughs> should be knighted for the fact that I put up with his shit. But, okay, so what really struck me too was 41% say um, D, uh, D, E and I and B are just buzzwords in their organisations. Uh, uh, you know, that that's something to me that's not as alarming as some of the others because I've witnessed a number of organisations who roll – um, you know, diversity, inclusion, belonging out and saying, look, we're, you know, look at us, look at us and using it as a word, but not seeing much basis um, or, you know, substance behind it. And I've, I've seen that with people that we talk to. There's, um, you know, we've, with the items, with the awards that we do, you know, you can see a lot of people using those sort of terms in their submissions and they, there's no evidence that sits behind it. So um, that's actually true. And yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it's that necessarily the, of the ones that have submitted their nominations for that particular category, yeah. but it comes up in other areas yeah. and other categories yeah, exactly. as well where they say they've got certain things and that. And you're like, do I you can't see that? Do you? Do you really? With all oh, of your a, all of your border middle aged men? Um, no, I think it might just be a tab on the website. Doing it at one level as well, like you know, it's important to outwardly advocate for what causes and uh, what causes, sorry, your business stands behind. So participating in events like Pride or NAIDOC mm. Week, that's important. But you also need to have the policy and the framework underneath that backs yeah. that up. But is so, it participating or just changing your rain, your um, logo to a rainbow? This is yeah, true. Are it. you actively encouraging strong conversations in the workplace? Are you doing the work, you know, to use that often overused therapy term? But are you genuinely doing the work behind the scenes to make your workplace safer for people? And that makes a lot of sense what you said then, you know, are there policies and procedures to back up your claims at the front end? Um, because then that may, if there are policies and procedures, that will give more people the comfort to report or to act on um, things that sit outside those policies. Absolutely. And I, um, in my work um, with Indeed, we do some consulting for businesses on best practice and some of the data that we have to share. And so many businesses, I think there's a lot of pressure placed on TA to um, broaden the hiring funnel and bring in more underrepresented groups into that into that hiring funnel. But the reality is there's little to no measurement in some of these organisations around attrition and promotion mm. for underrepresented groups. When in reality, if, you, if there's a broken ladder inside an organisation or it's not a safe place for people then you can bring in as many people as you want into that hiring funnel, but they're not going to last, and that's just a toxic yeah. cycle that we can get in. That's the old leaky bucket analogy again, isn't it? You can bring in as Definitely. many people as you want at the top, but if you are not plugging those holes at the bottom to keep them there with attrition and all of those things, what's the fucking point? <laughs> exactly. And potentially you're impacting someone's you know, real-life experience. That oh. can have some serious on like ongoing effects, which I just think is and I, terribly sad to overlook. Someone pointed out to me, I, I had a bad experience and I just wrote it off as that, but that bad experience um, stuck in my head for decades. And that someone said, you've been traumatised by that. You mm-hmm. actually, that is really, I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. But yeah, it is. And it's trauma. If you're bringing someone in and you don't have your policies there and all of the right things and it's just okay, top of funnel, you can actually traumatise that human being because you just haven't got your shit together. Yeah. yeah. And one of the other statements that um, comes out of the report is around maybe a little bit of difference between TA and some other parts of the organisation where TA are more in tune with um, diversity, inclusion uh, and belonging, whereas maybe some of the – I want to say the word hiring managers. Whoops, I just said it. Um, oh, may, that's the power, Craig. <laughs> may, may not really have that same level of engagement with – tact. 
<laughs> Tact. <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's really interesting, isn't it? That It says that um, almost 9 in 10, so 87% of TA people in the workplace say they've adopted at least one policy to reduce unconscious bias. Uh, and and recruitment decision makers are far more likely than those without recruitment responsibilities to think their companies improve their approach. Yeah, and I think that's probably because of the exposure element, right? Like if you're working in TA and you've been going through unconscious bias training, you are actively making decisions in both your process and potentially the suppliers that you work with to remove, we'll use unconscious bias as the um, as the example here, then I would say that would lean towards you feeling like your workplace is doing more than those who are maybe behind the scenes or don't have that exposure, which I think also shows us this leaky bucket analogy that you use there, Lauren, where, you know, we're doing all of it at the front where everyone can see, but mm. are we doing it behind the scenes? Are we going further than that to create a safe place to work? Mm. Yeah. It is that. It's exactly are we, are we supporting the people once we get them in the door? And are we doing just unconscious bias training just for those with recruitment responsibilities or are we doing unconscious bias training for everyone inside our organisation? So, point. so, so Lauren, you talked before about policies and procedures my mate, yes. you know, that, have, that probably underpin everything that business needs to do. Um, in terms of the report, are there other are there recommendations that come out of it? Or, you know, you did mention earlier that uh, indeed do some consulting to businesses in this area. So h- how do you start that process? I think the first place is to start with quite a lot of honesty uh, and it can't always just come from the TA teams. Often when I meet with people for the first time, it's brought to me by some very enthusiastic TA team member or TA team leader or director, but really we need some advocates within the rest of business to have a really thorough conversation because creating a safe workplace doesn't just start at the you know, at the top of the bucket, Mm. it is throughout an organisation. And also we need to consider when we're bringing someone in as a hire, there are so many touch points with our business. You know, it's not just us as TA. It's going to be the ongoing learning and development, their first day on the job, the marketing they come across. Mm. Like this needs to be a whole of business approach. So my first point of call is always how many people can we get in a room and can I help you as the employee within that organisation get those people there to start the conversation? Yeah. And onboarding, like that's, I know it's only a one-day, two-day thing sort of thing that you really get to at the start. But that onboarding process, that is the – most pivotal thing of that person's going to be a successful person in your organisation. Yeah, yeah and those promotion conversations, the mm. feedback conversations that continue after onboarding as you check in, as you head towards, you know, probation periods potentially if you're full-time, they're all a part of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Lauren, with, with some of the um, reporting, is there an opportunity to deep dive into industry on industry? So, uh, you know, by that, what I mean is I guess most of us, uh, well, Lauren and I both work within white collar or tech or, you know, but I remember when I was, this is, you know, going back a while, uh, when I started my recruitment career, I was I was recruiting with- That's when they faxed CVs. <laughs> probably even prior to faxes. Um, but we worked, I was working a fair bit in warehousing and um, DC centres and, and logistics and, and, you know, I noticed- I'll give an example, and it's totally wrong, but this is, you know, we're talking a long time ago, and I'm wondering whether this sort of still exists. There was a manager, a warehouse manager, who rang me and said, oh, we need a casual or temporary uh, receptionist. And I said, okay, what skills they want? He said, I don't care, so long as they've got big tits and they're good to look at. Wow. That was it. My goodness. So uh, I know that 
we've come a long way since then. I, I you know, we've, we've had to have. So that was very long time ago then. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but I'm, I, I, I still, my mind would still think that within a blue collar type sector, as opposed to a white collar, they, they still might be a few steps behind. And I don't know whether we've got any verifiable data to, to substantiate that in any way. Um, nothing to point to a blue collar, white collar split, if I'm completely transparent. Mm. It really does come down to organizations, but actually even more so than that, it comes down to leaders. What yeah. I can see in most of the work with business is that it's it's generally individuals who are leading the charge within their organizations, whether that's employee resource groups or inclusion groups that are started up, the um, board or C-suite advocacy that goes on, you know, leading from the top and leading by example, that seems to be... I guess, the markers that demonstrate a business that's leading the charge as opposed to industry or sector or even the the region that they work. You mentioned like no data on the blue collar versus white collar. I'd be very keen to see the way that apprenticeships have changed and the way that those types of things are going with um, changing. In fact, that we're, are we getting more women or young ladies going into yeah. that type of thing? Because um, I know one of my girlfriends, her daughter started this year in like. Um, an electrician's prim, um, apprenticeship at the age of 16. Yeah, it'd be awesome to see what TAFE has, um, particularly in the vocational training sector, because often, you know, you've got business who say, I really want to hire more, say, uh, female um, apprentice mm. electricians, as the example. But if there aren't more women coming into the sector, yeah. then you're all fighting over the same reduced talent, right? And so how there are some amazing businesses doing their own internship, apprenticeship programs to try and bring more people into their sector because they realise you can't just make a better ad that's going to suddenly have also, the floodgates of women open, and also, for example. Like how many times do we hear CEOs in the tech sector say, I want 50% of my devs to be women? Great, 22% of all grads are women. Yeah. It's yeah, like, so how are so, you going to change that? Because yeah. it's going further back and I think people are trying to, you know. It's like they're pulling a number be, out of their ass. Totally. And you just, it's just like, well, I want to fix the problem. This is how I'll fix it. But without actually understanding or considering the steps that it takes to get there. Or even, I guess, acknowledging as well that these things take time. We're looking at societal, fundamental societal change. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to be delivered in one financial cycle. Well, it no. needs to be an ongoing approach. And it comes down to are we looking at our entry-level grad roles? Are we looking just at our entry-level roles? Are we willing to invest time into changing the way we recruit for those to get this magic 50% of gender equality in these areas? And secondly, are we paying the women the same as the men? Well, yes, I am personally very excited to see the workplace gender, gender equality results come out for 2023. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, dying I to see that one. That transparency conversation needs to happen and it, it, it mm. has been massively accelerated by this self-reporting process and I'm stoked to see it. Yeah, yeah. and then you've got companies like um, Equity coming through which can do your Uyghur reporting quite quickly, which are not just for the reporting but just to try and bridge those gaps quicker. And mm. I think that that's It just... only comes from transparency. Oh, absolutely. And those new laws this year are bringing transparency. Hey, Lauren, one of the really, really big stats that come out of the report that that smacked me in the face were that 80% of job seekers say that it's important the organisation they apply to promotes diversity, inclusion, equity and belonging, but it ranks second last on the list of priorities for employers. So there's yeah, a huge kind of gap there, isn't it? That's massive. Well, we, it's such a mismatch and such a missed opportunity, I think. What's interesting, though, is when we um, 
you know, as part of the survey questions, we asked people to rank the business priorities for 2023. And the number one was mental health and wellbeing. Mm -hmm. Now, what I think is interesting here is, now we did present those as two separate options in the report, but for them to be so separate in terms of mental health and wellbeing at the top and diversity, inclusion and belonging initiatives is second to last, tells me that there's a fundamental misunderstanding between the mental health of your employees and the people within your business and a diverse and inclusive business yeah. environment. Mm. And so I think we need to recouple those two things because they, they are they feed it, They feed into each other, don't they? Mm. You know, if you're talking about people who don't feel comfortable or safe to report things, that's that's a, a mental health issue as much as a diversity, you know, equity, inclusion and um, belonging issue, isn't it? It's Completely. It, yeah, it's and interesting. I think diversity is more than just demographic characteristics as well, right? Like it's diversity of thought, it's diversity of opinion, it's being mm. able to sit in the same room as someone and bring two different you know, thoughts to the table and to be a safe and comfortable place to do it. And so that's going to have an impact on mental health if that's not happening at your current yeah. meeting tables. The other thing too is that there are so many, let's say, minorities within uh, the broader scope of diversity and inclusion. And, you know, we we almost automatically spring to gender inequality um, as a discussion point. But with, you know, with disability, with uh, sexuality, with religion, with all sorts of different, um, you know, race, there's so many different areas that it's difficult. um, It's difficult to approach everything at once and, and be all inclusive. It's really, really difficult. So... Yeah, I think if you're trying to measure everything down to um, an individual quota and target, then, you know, these things are intersectional because you can be both a first-generation migrant and a woman and have disability. You know, like these things are not um, mutually exclusive. That's right. So I think we can get a little bit trapped in trying to solve one problem first. Um, So let's solve our woman problem, for example, and then we'll start working on others mm. in inverted commas. I know such problems so my, women. My bunny ears aren't helping. Such a problem to women. <laughs> but not those but pesky women again. <laughs> it's just such a flawed way to go about it because you will never get there. Whereas what we need to fundamentally do is change the way we work, create transparent and caring workplaces where people can bring their best selves to work and bring their diverse ideas and way of thinking. And for that to be a safe place, that's where we need to begin. And then we can look at, you know, internal promotions, um, attrition and hiring rates mm. after we've created a place for people to be. Mm. And going back to those pesky women, shouldn't have given them the right to vote. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> with diversity of thought, and you've touched on it there, like having, a, say, an immigrant woman who's the first person in her family to get a university degree uh, and all of those types of things, the d- difference of thought that and diversity of thought that comes into a conversation in a workplace and the ideas that come out. hundred percent. And there's some really compelling data on having more diverse boards and how that can lead mm. to um, enhanced profitability. Like there is something to be said for, you know, Gen Z will be the most diverse racially and culturally, the most diverse generation of all time. Mm. And so if you think about the consumers of tomorrow, not just, you know, they're young today, but as they grow yeah. up and become the majority, Is your company representative of your consumers, of your target audience, of the people that you work for or with? Because you should be, right? Because you're making products or you're making solutions or you're making services that are for someone to consume. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, um, Lauren, obviously there'll be people listening today and they'll say, how do I get my hands on this report? So can you just sort of guide us through that? Well, it will be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes, yes. (laughs) Of course. It'll be in the show notes if you listen to this incredible podcast. But also, if you go to IndeedInsights.com, we've built out a bit of an interactive microsite. We know that, you know, an 
page report is not for everybody. So if you want to, you know, be somewhere where there's some nice moving graphics and a beautiful video to kick you off, go to indeedinsights.com. You can scroll through and click on mm. what interests you. So whether that's workplace, employee or recruitment insights, there's also a tab for actionable changes if you're looking to drive for a result in your business. And then you can download the report from there. And there's so many other things that you can take a look at. This is why Indeed is the number one job site in the world. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Lauren, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. And um, I think that it's opened up, like Lauren said, opened up a a can of worms for other podcasts that we can feed off this. And um, I think we'll be leaning into your expertise a little bit more in the future. Oh, indeed we will. (laughs) You had to get that in again, didn't you? (laughs) On that note, it's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me, everybody. Today's episode was brought to you by Indeed. Do you need talent? You need Indeed. It's the place to go to find talent you need. Gee, you're a poet, Lauren. All right. I know. And so Indeed help you with their hiring needs, is that right? Yes, yes. They help people get jobs, help recruiters fill jobs, amongst a raft of other things. Haven't they got this massive competitor in the market? Uh, Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Yeah, there are loads of people out there. But Indeed is the world's number one, I said number one, job site. Number one. So that means they must do and things pretty differently, eh? They do. They do. They're simple tools that you source, screen and hire faster because finding the best fit for the job shouldn't be a full-time job. Freaking A, Lauren. Oh, yeah. Bring it. <laughs> so guess what, Craig? What? Don't forget to tell them. Tarpod sent you. Thanks for listening to Tarpod and please don't forget to subscribe and make sure you listen to the outtakes at the end of the episode. They're usually the best bit. You know, we're in the UK and Lauren was there and my wife, Megan, and I just turned to her then and nearly called her Megan. I've just had too bloody, too much time with both of them in the same bloody place. It was place. so funny. He had his work wife and his real wife in the same apartment with him for 10 days. I went crazy. I had no, I mean, no me time. Two of us, we both chime in at the same time as we're leaving every morning. Craig, have you got the keys? He's like, shit, you both just freaking asked me that. <laughs> Usually I've at least got the commute on the train between the office and home to just decompress <laughs> and have some me time. No me time.